today, we have a very, very special um, speaker all the way from San Diego, right? And Matt Cooey, uh, he has actually served as a director of Spectrum Ministries in Tijuana, Mexico uh, from 2014. And prior to that, he was a youth pastor at Lockwood Community Church in Coldwater, Michigan uh, from 2004 until 2014, until his family of six moved to uh, Mexico. Now, Matt attended Trinity International University outside of Chicago, where he met his wife, Becky, and married in 1997. And Matt has a heart of God's work in the church and a desire to see church impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as he comes up, let's give a round of applause to Matt Cooey. Good morning. So good to be here with you today. I actually woke up in Rosarito, Mexico this morning and got on a plane and here I am. And I'll lay my head on a pillow in Rosarito, Mexico tonight. So, uh, But I was so excited at the chance to come up and be with you guys and I, I jumped at it and, and just thrilled to, to be able to share with you today. Um, I also appreciate, I didn't catch the name of the guy who was up here before you, Ben, but that NBA history, remembering that Allen Iverson quote, that was, that was solid. So kudos on that. Um, my journey with missions, I'm, I'm going to be speaking today about missions mobilization, sending people from the church out into the mission field to share the gospel with, with, with people around the world. And so that's my, going to be my, my topic today. And my journey with missions actually started back in the summer of 2012. Um, prior to that, as Ben mentioned, I was a youth pastor for, for nine years, uh, going down and, and serving, taking students to serve on a cross-cultural missions experience with Spectrum Ministries. Uh, but that summer of 2012, I remember in Michigan, I was outside mowing my lawn, and, and uh, my wife kind of caught my attention, and uh, she said, hey, you have a phone call. And, and uh, so I went to take it, and it was actually Aaron Passmore was on the other end of the, of the phone there. And you may recognize that name, Passmore, if you've been down on the Tijuana missions trips. His dad, and mom and dad, actually, Eddie and Maggie Passmore, run Caravan Ministries. So their son, Aaron, was the director of Spectrum uh, before me. But he said, Matt, and here's how he posed it. He said, Matt, I have a question for you that's probably going to wreck your day. And, and that kind of took me back a little bit. And I said, uh, well, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, Matt, I'm leaving... Uh, spectrum. I'm going to be moving to Quito, Ecuador to work with another missions organization in, in Ecuador. And, and I said, Aaron, I know uh, you told me that. I'd just been down there a couple of months previous, and he, he told me about that move. He said, yeah, but you didn't know this. Uh, we want to ask and see if, if you'd be willing to come and be the director of the ministry. Um, it did kind of wreck my day a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was going real smooth up until that point, and uh, I went in and talked to my wife, and that was the kind of conversation that, you know, you're not prepared to have with your wife. Uh, the, the grass did not get finished uh, getting mowed. It looked weird for a while. Um, but, you know, I, I, what I told Aaron is, is that I, I would pray about it, right? And uh, so that, that's what I committed to doing. But all I, could, all I could think of immediately was all the reasons why I couldn't do this job, why I couldn't go. I mean, I knew who the founder was, Pastor Vaughn. This, Pastor Vaughn was bigger than life. I mean, he was a great leader. Aaron Passmore, a great leader. Uh, I live in Michigan. I was born and raised in Michigan. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know the culture. Uh, I had four young kids. Uh, I n- had never envisioned myself going to another culture with another language. And, and so all these reasons were just kind of going through my mind. 
But looking back, I think I can see, I know I can see where God had been preparing me. You know, I had been bringing students down to serve with Spectrum for nine years on short-term missions trips. So I, I gained exposure. That first trip, I remember just having that culture shock, just being in a totally different place and, and feeling uncomfortable. And, and, but, but I began to learn about the culture in Mexico. I began to learn about the beautiful things like their hospitality and their, their hard work and their rich passion for life. And I began to to sense this. And, and, and you know, I brought it back to Michigan with me. Uh, we, I lived in kind of a rural area, and about 15 minutes from the town I was in was a small little town. And it was one of those that was filled with like all old brick buildings from like the turn of the previous century. And it's like three blocks. Like if you, if you blink, you miss the, the whole town. But in the middle of that was this building, and, and they had a large Latino population in this, in this little town, and so they had a Mexican grocery store. And I, I never forget it because this building was painted pink and aqua. That was the color. So you have all these brick buildings, and then pink and aqua Mexican grocery store. And I remember driving thinking, who on earth would paint a store pink and aqua? It made no sense to me whatsoever. But then I went with Spectrum and went down to Tijuana and I saw other buildings painted pink and aqua and all kinds of vibrant colors. And, and I saw it in the context of its culture and I got it and I thought, they're trying to bring a little bit of home there to, to, to little small town Michigan, right? They wanted a piece of home there and, that, and I began to understand it. And so these trips were kind of exposing me to this different culture. I began to work with Latinos in my community. I played soccer in college, and uh, I began coaching at the local high school there. And uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, Mexicans, all, all kinds of different uh, ethnic backgrounds on the team. And, um, you know, I was invited into their homes, and I'm eating pasole and burritos and just all this really good tamales, all these really good Mexican food, and I'm becoming a part of the, these families' lives. And so God used all of these things to help me gain a heart for the Mexican culture. And I began to understand more deeply and more clearly Acts 1.8, where Jesus says to his disciples, you will be my disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what that means is that uh, it, it's not Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or it's and, there's ands in there. And so that means that the disciples and therefore the early church and us today are going into all of these areas to share and be witnesses to what God has done through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what that means is that heaven is going to look a little different than our average church services on a Sunday, where you look around and there's people that are kind of like you, right? There's going to be representation from every tribe, every nation, every culture there. And I I truly believe that there are things in each culture that maybe we don't like. You know, in, in Mexico, everybody is always late. It drives me crazy, Right? But there, there's beautiful things in each culture as well. And I believe that God put those beautiful things in each culture. And those are the things, not just from one culture, but from every culture that truly bring glory to him. And I began to see that in the Mexican culture. And, and I just wanted nothing more than to see heaven populated with, with, with Mexicans. <laughs> large, large percentage uh, of people from Tijuana and Rosarito to, to, to be there for all of eternity, worshiping God, bringing him glory together with everyone. So I told you, I, I mentioned to Aaron, I said, I'll pray about it. 
And a funny thing happened as I was praying, God began to lay a, a, a certain vision on my heart. Uh, it was, I saw it really clearly. I, I began to think about what it would look like for Spectrum Ministries to, to use the compassion work that they'd been doing for over 40 years now. Uh, this is our 40th anniversary, but the work that Spectrum was doing um, dates back even prior to that. So all of these years of compassion ministry, of evangelism, of helping people in need in all kinds of really tough, dark areas of Tijuana, I, I began to think about what would it look like if we partnered with local churches in Tijuana? Because we're doing the evangelism, right? We're showing them that God loves them. We're meeting them where they're at, but there needs to be growth. There needs to be discipleship. Uh, Some people have said that Tijuana is the most evangelized city in the world. And they may be right, I don't know. But the thing about it is, is that uh, while, while it's very evangelized, there's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of good churches. Uh, many groups go and they take day trips and they do really good things. And, and, and they really have an impact, but they, there's not a lot left behind in the churches. There's the discipleship's not taking place. So, so God works through his church. So we need strong churches in Tijuana. And, and I thought, what if Spectrum could use all of the trust that we've earned over all of these years with the people that we're working with and connect people in our communities with the churches that are serving there in their communities? What if, what if we could start to see churches grow and, and, and people be discipled? Because that's where families are changed. That's where lives are changed. I remember uh, one of our staff told me one time, he said, Matt, you know what? I'm jealous of you. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, I'm jealous of your legacy uh, with your family. Because, you know, he had heard, I kind of told him about my family history. And my, my relatives come from Sweden and Norway. And we were, they were kind of uh, part of the formation of the Evangelical Free Church out of um, Sweden and Norway. And, and they moved over in the late 1800s to Michigan. And they, they kind of set up shop in one specific area in Muskegon, Michigan. And, and there was a free church there. And they started attending. And, and uh, you know, and so it goes back. I go back like three or four generations with this church. And he said, that's your legacy. You have a Christian heritage. And, and, I, and he said, you know what our, this is what he said to me. He said, you know what our legacy is here in Tijuana? Uh, violence, abandonment, drug use, teenage pregnancy. These things all kind of mark our legacy. And, and, and I looked at him and I said, listen, there is no difference between you and me. I mean, we are there's no difference between us, except for the fact that there was a little church that sat in Muskegon, Michigan, in the corner of Southern and Franklin, and, and had an impact on my family for over 100 years. God works through his church, and that's what we need in Tijuana, is to have these strong churches that are impacting families, just like your church is impacting you and your families here today. This is what we need in Tijuana. So, indeed, I felt that God was calling me and my family to move uh, to Tijuana. So, in August 2013, we packed up uh, the U-Haul. I think we have a picture. I think, there we are. So, that's the top part is 2013 there in Coldwater, Michigan. Have the U-Haul there. Took four days to drive cross country. We had two golden retrievers and a guinea pig. And uh, many times during that trip, I questioned myself, what am I doing here? Um, I'm happy to report that I was still a Christian by the time we got there. It was, a, it was quite a trip, but we made it and we've been serving. Uh, and that's my family uh, today. Um, so I'm thankful to God for his faithfulness in, in all he's done and helping us to move and, and to serve. 
But in order to make a move into full-time missions, there often has to be an understanding of a need or an injustice uh, that, that, that needs to be addressed. You know, you can't just think, oh man, it'd be exciting to live in a different culture, you know, for a while. We, we see many families in Rosarito and Tijuana that come down to serve and, and they say they're really excited when they get there. But I've seen them, they last about two years and they discover something. Living in a different culture is tough. It's hard. It's not your culture. You're always an outsider. I will never be Mexican. And now when I come back to the States, I'm not really from there either. You know, so you're kind of like caught in between and it's tough. And we, we see people kind of come and go. So there has to be something that you're convicted of. There, there has to be a need that you see that will drive you to go and, and do that work. God must be laying it on your heart. And I'm not saying that you have to have the vision totally figured out. I'm not saying that, but you should have an idea of what God is calling you to do, um, your role that, you, that he wants you to play. You know, it, it may come in the form of a vision, and I'm not talking about like a mystical vision, but just kind of uh, th- this understanding. And in this um, definition of vision I really like, it's a deep dissatisfaction for the way things are and a clear understanding of the way things should be. That's a great definition of vision. Often that calling, you know, it starts with an idea. You have an idea of, oh man, I, I really feel like that's wrong. And God's laid that on your heart. And, and, and you see a need and, and you, you, you go and you want to be involved in helping in that area. Maybe it's kids who have been orphaned and your, your heart's broken over that. Or maybe it's to translate the scriptures into a, a different language that doesn't have uh, the, the scriptures in their language. Or maybe it's to take the gospel to a place where they've never heard it before. Maybe God is laying these things on your heart, and, and, and that's what drives you to go. But the great thing about this is, is that idea, that conviction, it, it, God can make that a reality. He can do it. I love Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring your every desire for goodness and your every deed I'm sorry. And that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. I love that. You have a desire for goodness. You have a desire to see this injustice fixed. You have a desire to see people know Christ. Uh, and, and you take that step of faith and it's a deed done by faith. And, and you think, man, this is huge. I can't make a change here. I can't make a dent in this. But guess what? God, through his power, can bring it to fruition. He can make that happen, that desire that he's placed on your heart. That should bring us hope. That should bring us courage to move forward and go and and do what he's calling us to do. We've seen this at Spectrum. Uh, Five out of our seven neighborhoods have strong church connections now. We're starting to see people that used to just come out to our outreaches and, and receive help They've heard the gospel. They've become Christians. And now we're watching them take part in the life of their local church. I'm friends with some of the pastors on Facebook, and I'm watching baptisms, and I'm seeing this lady, and I'm like, I know you. You and your family have been coming for years, and now you're part of the life of the church. She's eating. She's fellowshipping. Her her kids are there. Her husband is starting to come, and and it's, it's exciting to see. Um, we have a, another picture, and this is one of my favorite, favorite pictures that we have. Hopefully you can see it there. Uh, this is in our neighborhood, Pana Americana. This is the original Tijuana dump. 
The dump location has moved to a different location. It filled up and moved, but it left behind a neighborhood there. And uh, Gordon, I know you and your team have been to this, this place a couple different times. Well, we've partnered with a church in this neighborhood, and now they come out and they set up a little prayer table and they just look for opportunities to talk to people in their community. And one of the things I love about this picture is that there is no spectrum person in here. It's simply the ch- people from the church and a lady from the community. She'd never even been to our outreach before. This was the first time she was there. But she started talking to the people, and she's, she, and she, she's receiving prayer from the church. You know, it's, we're just simply the conduit at Spectrum. We're just providing a venue for the church and the community to come together. It's, it's God bringing this to fruition. Uh, and it's, it's great. <laughs> so the question is, is um, you know, for, for us here and uh, in the States— how does a church get to the point where people are engaging with missions and having these ideas? You know, because that, that's where it starts is with those ideas. How do we get to that point? And I think every church must create within its community a, a church culture of, of mobilization. It must become a normal expectation that people from within the church will start to have these ideas and, and engage in training. And, and God will lay things on their heart and the church will send them to go. You know, it, it, that, that needs to be a normal thing. Like you look around and, oh yeah, I kind of saw that coming. That person's going now. They're going around the world. They're working in the community. And you, it, it starts to become a normal expectation. Now the foundation, I want to talk here about the foundation where this needs to start. I, I think uh, in order to have that motivation, that the church must be characterized by constantly confronting and saturating uh, the, the congregation with the gospel, with the church, with the gospel. The gospel is what's needed in every situation, every location around the world. The understanding that we are sinful and separated from God by our sin, and that the only way to destroy that barrier of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Anything else that's not connected with the gospel, it won't make it in the, in the long run. It won't make the difference. You know, you can come up with 10 ways to have a better marriage and say, I want people around the world to have good marriages. But you know what? Without the gospel, that's not going to last. You need to have a message to take with you. I, I think of Peter in his experience in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, when he's with Jesus. And, and it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, Peter, in this instance, saw how far short he fell. 
How, and he also saw how great Jesus was. He saw the chasm between the two. And, and often we don't grasp the severity of our sin. We don't grasp how great that, that space is. And, and we, we, we can, can kind of fall into the trap of comparing ourselves with the people around us. We can compare ourselves with ourselves. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we feel pretty good based on what we see around us. But we need to compare ourselves to God. He is good. We are not. We are depraved, and in my sins, in our sins, we are dead without Christ. We need to understand this. This needs to be at the basis of our motivation, that there is a lost and dying world that needs Christ, literally dying without him. Uh, I've been to seafood restaurants before where they, where they like have a, a decorative life ring. Have you ever seen one of those on, on the wall? Never once have I gone into the seafood restaurant and saw somebody like grabbing onto that thing, hanging onto it for dear life, you know? Uh, I, I've never seen that. And, and why? Because there's no danger. There's no danger at that time. But if you take that same life ring and throw it to a drowning man, they have a death grip on that. Right? They're hanging on to it because they know they're going down without it. Um, I, I was a lifeguard back in high school and in college, and they used to teach us to keep something between us and a drowning person, that life ring or uh, some sort of flotation device, so that they don't grab onto you because they will powerfully drag you down out of their desperation. That needs to be our desperation, hanging on to the cross of Christ. We need to understand that without him, we are going down, and so is the rest of the world. And when we grasp that and, and, and hold on to him, he begins, to, he, he begins to, to show us his power and his might and his salvation in our lives. And that's what's going to motivate us to go and share a message like this around the world. We need to understand this truth. I am a great sinner, and Jesus is a great Savior who is able to save great sinners. Therefore, he's able to save me. I remember when I first heard that and believed, I was sitting in a Sunday school class and the, the teacher started to talk about the cross and how the cross was really outside of time. It, it was in a real place at a real time 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. And, and, and it, he died a real death for my real sins. But the Bible also says that it's outside of time because he's God and he's the lamb that was crucified before the foundation of the earth. And we look into Revelation and we see the one who was pierced, his hands and his feet. And, and so we know that it's outside of time, yet it's, it's real. And, and, and he, he died for our real sins at a specific time. And what that meant to me, it jumped out to me for the first time because that means that all the sins prior to his death on the cross, all the way back to Adam and Eve, were paid for. And all the sins moving forward, all throughout the, the rest of the time on earth, were paid for. And that means that all the sins that I had done ever since I was young were paid for. And all the sins I would ever do are paid for on the cross. And that's the message that we get to bring forgiveness of sins so that we can be made right with God. God is busy reconciling the world to himself. That's what he's doing, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. And, and we get to bring that message. Only a message like this could motivate missionaries in the 19th century to go and purchase a coffin, sell everything they have except what will fit in the coffin, pack that coffin with their lone earthly belongings, put it on a boat, and go to some faraway place knowing they're probably never going to come back. They're going to get sick. They're gonna, something's going to happen. They're gonna, they won't come back, but they're on a mission to go and let people around the world know about this great God who loves them 
and you can save them and rescue them. That's the kind of passion that we, that we should have when we understand the need for the gospel. The understanding of Jesus' greatness, you'll see in that story with Peter, also produces a high level of obedience. We need to be ready to be obedient to Christ as well. Um, I love it because Jesus says, hey, you know, I need you to go put out into deeper water. And Peter's been a fisherman for a long time. And he's like, listen, we've been doing it all night. This, nothing's happening here. But because you say so, Jesus, I'll do it. You know, the, 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 first, the first key... Um, Oh, it, it, I, this, I was going to say this, as scary as it is to go, it's even more scary to be disobedient. Uh, I remember when Becky and I were taking a vision trip in Tijuana, and we were so certain that God was laying it on our hearts to go, that he was showing us these things, that as we were flying back to Chicago, we didn't want to get home and explain it away, you know, and say, yeah, I think, you know, it was probably the tacos we ate, just got us all excited, you know. Uh, we didn't want to explain it away. We, we knew that God was laying it on our hearts, so we said before the wheels of the plane Touch, touch the tarmac there at O'Hare, we're committing to go. And, and that's what we did. And, and we, we need to have that level of obedience. You need to be certain of the calling, know that God's calling you, and then have that level of obedience to go. And thankfully, in that instance, we did. And we've seen God work since then. So the first key to being an ascending church is to preach and know the gospel. The second key is creating a culture of missions in your church. And so one way to do that is by taking short-term trips. You guys have a trip coming up in December uh, to go down to Tijuana with Caravan. I encourage you to go on that. Um, Jesus sent his disciples out, right? He did that. We read that in Mark 6, verses 7 through 13. It says, uh, Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except for his staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Going out gave the disciples experience. Right? They began to see the need. You can't go out and have conversations with people and go to people's homes and go into their town and not start to understand the issues at play it, that, that are going on and the struggles that they're having. Right? They began to have an experience and, and saw the specific needs, and God gave them the power to do something about it. They began to understand what it is to engage the world with the gospel. Um, my pastor in Michigan used to tell me when I would bring students back after, after a week in Tijuana, he says, Matt, it's like what you're teaching them is traveling from their heads into their hearts as they go down and serve for a week. It's becoming who they are. I remember uh, one of my students, his name was Holden, and I met Holden on the soccer field. I was a soccer coach, and then he came to Christ. He came out to youth group, and then he wanted to uh, go on the missions trip. So Holden was the kind of kid, he was very loud, borderline obnoxious, uh, often he went over the border on that, but he, uh, he, he was, you always knew where Holden was, right? You could always hear him, and he was just that kind of kid, a lot of energy, a lot of life, and so Holden, we took uh, to Tijuana, and one day we went to the Tijuana dump to serve there, to bring 
sandwiches, bottled water to the people who live and work in the Tijuana dump. And um, so we started at the top of the hill and, and we'd bring the sandwiches and the water down and hand it out to people, then go back up. And, and we do this over and over again. And, and something happened to Holden on the side of the hill as he's going back and forth. Um, first, they, we kind of ran out of sandwiches. We gave them all out. And so he was just bringing water down and, and, and he just didn't want to stop. He, he started asking when we ran out of water, some of the students to give their water bottles so he could give those away. Uh, at, at a certain point, he uh, encountered an old man in, in, on the side of the hill there. And the older gentleman pointed at his sunglasses that he had on and Holden said, my sunglasses, do you want them? And the old man nodded, yes. And he handed him his sunglasses. Problem was, they weren't holding sunglasses. There were somebody else's on the team, but he didn't even care. He's like just giving everything away. And, and Holden went back and got back in the van. And I remember driving home, and normally he's in the back. I can see him in my rearview mirror and hear him. He was quiet. He was sobbing in the back. God grabbed hold of his heart that day as he was out serving the poor at the dump in Tijuana. Uh, Holden went back and after graduating high school, went to New Tribes Bible Institute. And um, he's given his life to serving God. Currently, he's in the military and he's serving as a military chaplain. And, and so God grabs hold of students' hearts, adults, as you're, as you're out serving together. And at Spectrum, we offer churches these type of opportunities because we want them to have those types of experiences, to be able to get it and bring it back to their church and take it wherever God wants them to go with it. Uh, Other means of making people in your church aware is by holding intentionally focused classes or events that discuss the needs of other cultures. You know, people need the opportunity to be exposed and, to and educated about the various needs around the world. Maybe a missions fair that um, exposes people and, and, and teaches them about where all the church's missionaries are at and what they're doing. Um, maybe host a perspectives class. That's an organization that uh, provides materials to teach about missions. Um, you can advocate for a specific people group or cause. Bring in a speaker to, to speak that has expertise on a certain culture. Uh, you can work with another culture in your local community. Many cultures are coming to us these days uh, here in the States. Uh, I have a friend in Atlanta that their church partners with um, an organization that works with refugees that come and are having all kinds of struggles. So they partner with somebody from the church, and that person from the church helps them walk through uh, different ways that they can, they, they can make uh, this place their home and, and all the, the challenges that come along with that. So there's places in your own community to engage with other cultures. Uh, I actually have a list of 250 ideas. I didn't make them up myself. Um, I shared it with Pastor Ben, so if you're interested in taking a look at that, you can, you can talk to Pastor Ben about it. But uh, all of these will give you a glimpse into where the needs are around the world. Uh, I remember a story about a monastery a long time ago that sat up on top of a hill and it overlooked the town below. And in the monastery, the monks lived a very peaceful life there. Uh, they did monk things. They planted you know, crops and it was just very peaceful. It was nice. They studied God's word. They prayed. And, but they just kind of stayed in their monastery. And, and the one monk started to get convicted about the town below. And, and uh, one day... He decided he was going to do something about it. So he took, got a big sledgehammer and took this sledgehammer and just smashed a big hole in the side of the wall of the monastery. And the commotion and the noise got the attention of the other monks that kind of gathered around him like, what are you doing? 
And, and he pointed, and they could see through the hole in the wall of the monastery, he said, that's where we need to be. God's calling us to go and, and serve and, and meet the needs. We're comfortable here. This is great. But God wants us to go to where the people are to, to share with them about Christ as well. And that's kind of what these classes and, and these things can do. They can kind of break a hole in the wall and allow you to see a, a different place in, in a different culture. Uh, another key component to mobilizing to a mobilizing church is that it gives towards missions, both personally and as a church. Uh, it's been said that you can tell what a person values by looking at their checkbook. Uh, a, a gospel-proclaiming, mobilizing church should have a healthy percent of their budget uh, devoted towards missions. And I think the biblical principle for this is in, found in Matthew six twenty-one, where it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We want people's hearts to be with God's heart, right? And reaching the world for him. So our, our financial, uh, you know, situation should show that. You know, I never, ever look at the stock market. Why? I don't have any investments. So if I, if I was invested, I'd probably be looking at that thing all the time, right? My heart would be there also. It's the same principle. We want our hearts to be in missions. We should be giving there because that's where we're investing and our heart will go along with it. Finally, we want to pray for missionaries. God works through the prayers of his people. Form prayer groups uh, for specific missionaries. Give a missionary maybe to each of the small groups that that meet in the church that they can take and kind of adopt and pray for. Um, These are just ideas. Put prayer requests in the bulletin from missionaries and take time regularly to pray as a corporate body for the missionaries your church supports. Um, You know, I'm sure... Uh, many of the missionaries you, you serve or uh, you send have these, these, these prayer reports. So grab hold of those and pray for those missionaries. Jesus wanted his disciples to both go, but to also to pray. In Luke 10, verses 1 through 2, Jesus appoints 72 to send out. And, and he gives them these instructions. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There is help wanted. God wants his church to engage in missions work. God wants your church to be engaged. I know you are. I know you are. But this this month is about missions, and it's about challenging to to do what what you can, and, and even more to be involved in God's plan to reach the world. Our founder, Pastor Vaughn, had this saying. He said, fill the, fill the fields, not the pews. And, and uh, what, he mean, what he meant by that was, yes, you want to fill the pews, but you don't want to just fill the pews just for the sake of filling the pews. You fill the pews to equip, to build up, so that you can send out and reach the lost for Christ. Let's ask God to give us a great dissatisfaction for the needs around the world. And let's ask him to give us a clear understanding of how things should be. And, and, and then we have to have this uh, expectation that those sitting among us will go. Equip them to go. Give them opportunities to go. Be ready as a missions team to connect people in your church with resources and training and opportunities and prayer in regards to missions. And maybe God is laying it on your heart today to go, to pray, or to give. 
And, and you will indeed join that, that, that group, the, those workers. The, the, the workers for the harvest will, will, will grow and they'll bring in the harvest. In fact, I have on my phone set uh, every day at, at, at 10.02 an alarm that says to pray for workers of the harvest. And, and so let's be praying that, that God would raise up workers today to pray, to give, and to go, and to take his gospel message into a dark and dying world. Let's, let's pray right now for that. Father, you are the Lord of the harvest, and uh, you love people uh, in this culture here in America and in Mexico and around the world, and we thank you for your heart for people. And I just pray that you would raise up workers to go into the, into the darkness, into the tough places, into the uncomfortable situations, into the places of great need. Lay on our hearts a, a deep dissatisfaction for those things that, that aren't as they should be. Lay on our hearts a, a deep um, just dissatisfaction, Lord, to, to, to see people um, that, that don't know you to come to know you, to see the scriptures uh, translated into their language so they can hear the truth about who you are, Lord. I pray that you would raise up workers to go into the harvest and that many people would be reached for you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who who died on the cross for the whole world so that we could come and be with you and know you and be saved. Father, I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, As the mission team... I've been um, preparing for the mission um, month of 2021, and after this mission uh, series is over, as we're going to prepare for our next year's uh, mission series, um, there's a couple of things that the mission teams uh, really, really desired. Um, one of them is that, that you guys get to know um, the people, the missionaries that we partner up with and the opportunities for us to go uh, into these areas. And then we've done it, right? We've done it. And, and so please, um, at the end of our service, please um, download the Q- QR uh, code, and it lists all the missionaries that, that we partner and also their prayer request. And that's another thing that we actually want, uh, is that you guys will be praying for these missionaries. It's not just a mission team and every second Tuesday every month, but it's, it's the desire of the mission team is that you guys, also the home group and home group leaders, would maybe uh, partner up with one particular missionaries that, that CLC partners up with. That's the desires of the mission teams. So we've been praying that for the past year so that you guys would be aware of all these missionaries like Matt. I know that some of you guys, um, probably this is your first time meeting Matt. So um, after our service, uh, he has to take a flight. So we're going to be just going to Amy Lim's house. So please join us uh, for the mission uh, luncheon. Uh, if you want to get to know uh, Matt and to know his ministries and also maybe partner up with, okay? So please join us afterwards. Now, during last Tuesday at our mission meeting, we are so apologetic to Justin and Jimmy because um, we just realized, you know what? Um, I, I know that they're coming and just speaking and going, but what can we do as a congregation? What is something that we could really, really send Matt or Jimmy or Justin off? And we just realized that this particular um, Tuesday is to pray for Matt and the Spectrum Ministries. So right now, what I want you guys to do is just just stretch your arm wherever you guys are. I want you guys to just stretch your arm, and we're going to pray for Matt 
and his ministry. So um, we could actually, you know, what, be part, not only just, we're just going to send you off to San Diego and Rosarita, but you know what, we're going to be with your heart, mind, and soul. So let's just pray. Father God, we thank you so very much. As we're going through the series on Nehemiah, I was so blessed by the vision that you have given Nehemiah for a broken wall, 700 miles away from where he was living. And in 2013, you've given him a vision to go to Tijuana to be part of a ministry spectrum. And that, Lord, um, some of us could just, you know, what? oh, well, it's a, it's a good message or, oh, it's a good place. And yet, Father God, there was this burning vision and heart for the people in Tijuana. And I am so grateful, Father God, that CLC and Spectrum could be able to be partner up with spreading your kingdom, your word, and through uh, Tijuana as well. Father God, as we send him off afterwards today in our mission series, Father God, we're just not going to just send him off with us. Okay, it's, it was a great time meeting you, but Father God, we want to partner up. We want to continue this relationship that you have given us in the fellowship. And I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, that as he continues his work in Rosarito, Father God, to be able to partner up with their local churches. I really love the fact that that one particular church was the intimate beginning of long history behind his family. And the same with CLC, we're, as we're celebrating 100 years, Father God, even 28 years at this particular location. I am so grateful, Father God, that as we further the kingdom of God, Father God, I am so excited to see how many people, Father God, that we could reach out and to be able to really, really share the gospel with. Father God, we are so great, uh, grateful uh, for the message and that you use through uh, Matt's voice. I ask in the name of Jesus that a lot of us, Father God, would just kind of hear it. Oh, it was a great message. But Father God, help us to really, really, really partner up, Father God, by praying and also going, Father God, as we prepare for that ministry in, in December. Father God, once again, thank you so very much for now. And continue, Father God, as you work in the lives of others who are listening in here and all over Zoom. I just pray, Father Lord, that there's people, Father God, that you've moved today. And I ask in the name of Jesus, Father God, Lord, that truly that that movement, Father God, will just continue and be able to carry out through their lives by doing and going and mobilizing. Father God, I thank you so very much. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt.